Welcome to TSOH Weekly. My name is Alex Morris of the TSOH Investment Research Service. With me as always, Francisco Oliveira of Arlovilo Capital Management. This week, we're going to be talking about the athletic apparel industry, uh, specifically Nike, but a little bit of Adidas as well. Um, the reason we're having this conversation is uh, for three reasons, or three things that made us interested in this topic. The first is it was announced, I believe, this week, maybe last week, that Tiger Woods and Nike were, were ending their uh, relationship after 27 years or so. Uh, the second really interesting thing was this recent Wall Street Journal article about Adidas' CEO and and some of the problems they've had there and kind of the turnaround effort underway since he since he became CEO in early 2023. And the third thing for a little bit of self-promotion is uh, over at TSOH, I had an update on, on Nike uh, two weeks ago and talked about some of the, uh, some of the struggles that they're going through as well. Maybe the way to to tie all that together is to say that from the highs in 2021, Nike, uh, Nike shares are down about 45%. Adidas shares are down more than 50%. So, so clearly there's something going on here in this industry. But uh, Francisco, what what are you seeing as you look at at these companies in recent developments? Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is these are like iconic brands and great companies and probably have great futures. But when you look under the hood, and and seeing you know some of the news of Tiger Adidas profiles is pretty good with the Wall Street Journal as you mentioned. It, it it's really still a, an extremely tough industry. I think you know if you if you look at Nike, four billion dollars in marketing and endorsements. Um, that's you know a, a very high cost of, of doing business of being of being in this industry. In addition to that, you know athletes such as Tiger and others that we can discuss are being empowered to to move away from you know basically endorsement deals to owning their brands owning their products um, and you've seen this in the you know celebrity and athlete ecosystem and in other industries as well such as beverage um, so it just it's getting it's getting tougher and from the from the Wall Street Journal profile it really stood out to me that when the, this new CEO, he came from from Puma, um, and he really said that like the company just had fear and was paralyzed, even though their products were still pretty good. Um, that tells me that you know you 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 got to take risks, you got to keep you know innovating on top, and the consumers moving fast, and the athletes are moving fast into controlling their futures. Um, and this is a company that look they 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 took a risk with the Kanye West line, which was very, very successful. And that that's also backfired. So you can't, you can't always count on these things working out, even though the stars may seem to align um, in the beginning. Yeah. But those things stood out, but I thought, I thought your, your, your write up uh, to start the year on Nike was very good and had an overall view of the company from different aspects. But what really stood out to me that like your, your thoughts is, it's a company that missed long-term guidance by by a good amount um, twice. Um, so maybe on top of all these industry factors, you know, internal expectations uh, have seemed pretty out of out of whack as well. Yeah, yeah. Real quick on the on the Adidas piece, one other quote I really liked is the CEO basically saying he did he needed to wake people up inside the company who didn't understand that we were losing and. It's just it's it's kind of funny how how quickly these businesses can turn, and I think that also ties into my other big takeaway as I've as I've studied this industry and specifically Nike more than any other company over time. 
is understanding the long lead times and the working capital dynamics that are associated with just the core business model effectively. And you go through a period like COVID where you had significant impacts from uh, consumer demand, you know, how has that ebbed and flowed? And then also very significant impacts from supply chain. And, you know, you see these companies get in positions where they're either short on product or they get into a position where they have excess inventories. And then when that happens, you have a very difficult choice in terms of, do we basically flush this, flush this through the channels, you know, wholesale or, or DSC online um, and, and discount that and potentially impair our brand in doing so, or, or do we, you know, pick our poison and take, take the other, other route. So it's, it's a business where I think you frequently find yourself in, in places where you have to make tough choices. Now that said, I think the catch 22 for Nike is, is that their industry position is also strengthened as a result of that because of, of new players having to deal with that reality. And the most prominent example is, is Under Armour where, you know, if you go through a phase where you overestimate what your ability to grow is going to be, what you have to deal with on the back end is very difficult. And I think, you know, at least as a consumer, it's also evident from the financial results, but as a consumer, it certainly seems like, like they've impaired the brand to some extent in a fairly meaningful way as a result of, of actions that have been taken in the past, you know, call it five to 10 years. Um, I don't know if that's your perception as well, but that's mine. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just tougher. And, and, um, as a consumer, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, you know, Neymar was Neymar with Nike or Adidas before. I thought he was with Nike. Nike. Now, now he's at Puma. And then I'm seeing a bunch of kids with, with, uh, my older son plays soccer. And I'm seeing a bunch of kids with the, with the Puma one. And, you know, what if Nike, you know, what if Neymar decides to leave, go back to Nike that, you know, I don't think the kids aren't buying those spikes, uh, because of, of Puma, they're buying because of Neymar. So the athletes have a lot of control here. And that's, that's a huge cost. I think something else that you pointed out in the piece, um, was the channel mix, which I thought, you know, Nike, Nike's really, you know, they were at, they're really taking a, a stance to, to, to have control of their future and being a big part of it, being direct to consumer. And it's extremely impressive that, you know, in 2012, direct to consumer revenues, three and a half, three and a half billion. Now it's 21 billion growing pretty steadily well. And, you know, we could see this being one than 50% of revenue in, in a couple of years. So they've had to combat all these things. And it's just, it's impressive that even though the stocks off from the highs, they have to, you know, innovate on their channel, you know, keep athletes happy, you know, keep the product good, but as but as well, keep pushing it forward. And, you know, fashion changes pretty quickly. Right. Um, so I, I I read the piece. and I'm like, I'm, it's, it's a very impressive company, but it's just an industry that keeps, you know, getting harder. And maybe that's that's to your point earlier. I think that's uh might be a good thing, a good thing for them because it just, you know, becomes harder to, to, to crack their advantage as in scale and, and, and D2C. Yeah. I think the other part of it, that's, I went back and read kind of my original post on Nike, which I believe was in 2022, maybe 2021, but discussing, you know, the, the Chinese portion of the business and thinking about the political risks, but also just the competitive realities of a market that, you know, it's obviously more, more difficult for you and I to understand then than, you know, somewhere like North America and thinking about how it kind of rhymes with Starbucks in that regard. And, 
and tracking Anta's numbers over time and comparing those to Nike's. And also just the commentary from the different companies in terms of what's happening in that market. It, it, it's an interesting thing to keep watching, but not, not something I'm uh, as comfortable with as I am with certain developments here, like in the United States. The other reality, and Neymar is a good example, as you spoke about, think about a company like On, which I believe was doing around 800 million in sales two years ago, and, and this year is on track for 2 billion or so. And you look at that Roger Federer's position there, and you look at the product line, it's very clean, and it's playing in a premium space. It's It just, it strikes me as a a modern example of of what an upstart company will will try to do in this business and in their case very effectively right um you know so maybe it's maybe it's under armor in 2005 or 2010 currently and we'll see how it looks five or ten years from now but it's an interesting example of a of a very prominent athlete obviously there's only so many of them in the world but kind of working around what you would consider the traditional endorsement relationship with either a nike or adidas and um, it's it's interesting to think about what that risk look like looks like over time too. Yeah, as I, as I would think about it, um, you know, it's very hard to to know if on success is sustainable or or can you know there'll be you know it, I'm I'm seeing the the product impact myself and seeing a lot of people with the with the shoes and now they're expanding with kids shoes which which are apparently pretty popular as well. Um, so it's 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 tougher to make the call of like whether on's going to continue to have success and grow and be here as a big player in 10 years from now. But what I think we're trying to say potentially is that, well, on, on, you know, under armor a couple of years ago was a huge bigger threat. Now it's on potentially, but you're going to keep having these companies come back and come back and come back. And, you know, who knows what Tiger Woods does, you know, um, he, he might look to partner with someone to create a new brand that, hurts Nike in some ways. And, you know, Nike is largely out, out of golf, but, you know, never know if, if a random shoe or something like that. And the next basketball player um, that's coming up and with, with NIL opening up for college athletes, you never know what, what they could end up doing um, for young superstars. So it's a, it's a very competitive, competitive world. So it's going it's to be interesting to continue to follow it. The good news for us is it'll, it'll give us something to keep talking about as, as the years go by. <laughs> Agreed. Thanks for listening, everybody.